Hi, I'm Ross Greenwood and these are the Money Minutes. Today, officially the Reserve Bank says we might be out of recession, but well, it's the vibe. I rest my case. Recession or not, if we're getting out of this mess, we must listen and learn from the best, like Gabby Leibovich. It's great to have your company for another episode of The Money Minutes, and today there's been a small media frenzy over the prospects that Australia might now officially be out of recession. It was sparked by a single comment by the Assistant Governor of the Reserve Bank, Guy DeBell, answering a question in Senate estimates from Senator Bridget McKenzie about the current state of our economy. Just listen and listen carefully. The September quarter for the country probably recorded positive growth rather than negative growth elsewhere in the country was more was more than the drag from Victoria and possibly the drag from Victoria was a little less than what we guessed back in August. Now, Guide to Bell, you'll note, did not actually say Australia's economy is out of recession, but he clearly implied it. It was a bit like, well, Dennis Denuto representing the Kerrigans in the castle. It was all about the vibe. It's the vibe and, uh, no, that's it, it's the vibe. I rest my case. Now, as DeBell says, if there's even the slightest pickup in economic growth in the September quarter, those numbers, by the way, are out in December, it does break the run of two successive quarters where the economy has shrunk. So technically, Australia would be out of recession. DeBell, remember, is a newer generation of economists coming through the Reserve Bank. He knows all about the vibe, having even run his own music radio program in Canberra when he was in his 20s. He hailed from Adelaide Uni, and the vibe that he ran with there was more like this... Local band from the 80s in Adelaide, The Spikes. kind of sense the Prime Minister dances to a slightly different beat. And what Scott Morrison today was pointing out is even if there's minor growth in that September quarter, or even if Australia is technically out of recession, it's one hell of a long way back from the June quarter when our economy collapsed an eye-watering 7 percentage points. Now just to give you some idea, the economy averages around 3% growth in any given year. If it goes down, 1% is significant. 7% in a quarter is off the charts. It is a long way back, as the Prime Minister said today. Whether technically that's the case or not, I know Australians are still hurting. And so I didn't need the numbers from the national accounts to tell me that JobKeeper was needed. I didn't need that. I knew Australians were hurting. I knew what the impact was on our economy. And we acted, and swiftly, and at a scale this country has never seen before. And so the national accounts will say what they say. But what I know is in the many months ahead, there are businesses that are still not open again. There are people we still need to get back into work. I mean, that's the reality. That's the reality. And I'm focused on policies that deal with the reality of the economic challenges that that we have ahead. And as, as much as we welcome what has occurred in Melbourne overnight, it's still a long road back. And there's going to be some deep scars there, economic uh, and and people's mental health, and these are going to have to be healed. 
and it's going to take us some time to achieve that. Because the reality is, whether you're in recession or not, it doesn't measure the hurt of an economic downturn. Recovery, of course, is good, certainly better than continuing to go backwards. But as I've tried to explain for some time, economic downturns have dramatically varied impacts on society. Some families or businesses will thrive throughout a recession. Others, though, will struggle to survive at all. But one thing I do know about recovery, it might be government that helps put out the flames when there's an economic shock. That's classic Keynesian theory of throwing around money, borrowed money, at the problem to try and solve it. But for true recovery in jobs, opportunities and the economy, you need business to respond and to invest. Because it's business that truly generates the jobs needed for government finances to recover. And it's the entrepreneurs that look for opportunity and identify when those opportunities arise during the tougher times. So it's for that reason today I turn to Gabby Leibovich, one of Australia's greatest entrepreneurs, for a lesson in how to spot opportunity. But there's something else, and still on our musical theme, because Gabby, I think, has got something in common with, of all people, Britney Spears. Because they both know, if you're going to make it big, you've got to work. You've got to work real hard. So I want to bring in the author of Catch of the Decade, the man who I think is one of Australia's great entrepreneurs, and that is Gabby Leibovich. Now, Gabby, you know, as I've explained, has not only gone through things like Catch of the Day, uh, which ultimately was sold out to West Farmers to scoop on, but there's so many other businesses that you inherently know that he's either been an investor in or has helped along the way. Say, for example, there's one called Eat Now that merged um, with Menulog, you know, the great, um, you know, sort of, if you like, ads that come out there right now. Um, so there's also Venomofo, which is sitting out there. Scoopon is another one. So these are all names you instinctively know. So with his book out, uh, Catch of the Decade, I thought it was great to catch up with Gabby Leibovich, who I've known for a long, long time. Gabby, great to have you on the podcast. Nice to have, nice to be with you, Ross. All right, so of all of the things you've done, where you always keep a little eye out for the exit plan and a little eye out for, for the money, I reckon writing a book is about the worst way to make money in the world. Is that right or not? <laughs> I only realized that once I started writing, Ross, and I spoke to the publisher, Wiley. Uh, so we decided to uh, donate 100% of the profits to a couple of charities that we uh, care about. But the main reason behind the book is really to inspire the next generation of, uh, of Australian entrepreneurs and as we are hopefully coming out of, uh, of COVID, so many people out there are asking themselves the question of what's next. Uh, some of them have lost their jobs. And, uh, but as they say, disruption leads to opportunity. And there's shitloads of opportunities out there right now, Ross. Uh, for people to grab and hopefully build some greater digital businesses. It's so good. So the catch line on the book Catch of the Decade is how to launch, build and sell a de- digital business, which you have yep. done a number of times, but it's not how you started because really there were no digital businesses when you basically started to sell stuff out of the back of a car. Uh, it, it really started like that. It was 2004 and prior to that I was working in the retail store similar to a JB Hi-Fi slash Good Guys. And I started selling online uh, on, on eBay. 
from the garage. And every day I went to my local uh, post office in uh, Caulfield, Victoria, uh, you know, sending five, six, ten items and so on. We launched Catch of the Day with the uh, silly idea of selling just uh, one deal a day. And that happened in October 2006. But just to take you back to that period, uh, Ross, the first question that people, uh, when we told people that we sell online was, is it safe to put your credit card online? And uh, when we went to suppliers and told them that we want to buy goods of them to sell them online, no one really understood it. And they kicked us out with the, with the message of, we only deal with uh, bricks and mortar retailers. So it was a completely different world out there. And it's amazing how it's changed, especially in the last six months. But didn't you also, in the very, very early days when you were a very young person, didn't you actually pick up some clothing and basically sell it in markets and (laughs) and try and make a few bob that way? Because that, I would have thought instinctively, would have taught you a little bit about, number one, how to price goods, which is a really important thing to be able to do if you're going to sell them. Uh, And number two, about trying to make certain you could clear stock, which kind of, if you think about it, was all about the, the catch of the day concept, finally. It's true. So, you know, I grew up in a house uh, where my dad was a, a retailer trader. And, uh, you know, during dinner uh, uh, in my childhood, we always discussed about various ways of, of retailing and call it making money. And yes, as soon as I got my, my license and my P plate at uh, the age of 18, I'm 50, by the way, uh, Ross, um, <laughs> I, I, I started trading at, uh, at Melbourne markets. And uh, yes, that story is in the book, how myself at 18 and my brother, Hezi, my partner at the age of 12 are, uh, you know, screaming and selling our wares, which was uh, apparel clothing at the time. Uh, but absolutely, I mean, nothing teaches you uh, hard work. And the best way is, is, is through experience. And we started very, very young. And the second part about that is it would have taught you about people, actually inter- interacting with people, recognising when their eye is caught by a particular bargain or a particular deal. And, of course, I'm guessing that that lesson, you know, enabled you to be able to go online, to be able to understand the audience. Because from my observation and a lot of what I've seen in your book and what you've written about before is it's really about understanding the audience. And if you understand the audience and what stimulates them, then you might have a better proposition to be able to get them to buy stuff from you. Look, it's a combination of uh, so many things. And again, we do discuss it in the book. We call it, uh, you know, some people call it luck, but luck is is composed of uh, timing, of course, being at the right place at the right time. It's also composed of location. It's actually going to the right place. And the third part that we say is actually education. And the education meaning reading newspapers, listening to radio shows, uh, getting, uh, listening to podcasts and so on. And when the three of them combine, Ross, uh, that's where the magic really happens. But uh, a lot of people have, you know, have luck walk right past them, but they haven't educated themselves enough to be able to spot the opportunity. And I think it feels like we've been at the right place at the right time over the last decade and a half, uh, you know, very much, you know, revolutionizing and building many, many household brands in the Australian digital economy. Were there any times when you had the catch group that you had to really hold your breath and wonder whether you'd made the right move when you'd overexpanded? Is there, is there any moment during that whole, you know, sort of, if you like, adventure you had been through where you did wonder whether it would survive? You know what, I get this question all the time, Ross, when people want some crazy story, uh, some horrible story, but I I actually don't have one. But to answer this question, I generally talk about uh, the hardest hardest thing that we ever experienced, and that is, I'll term it as growing pains. It's growing your business so fast and making sure that you, you, you stay on that horse 
and growing so fast, meaning we've doubled our business every single year in our first five years. And that means double the amount of parcels, double the amount of employees, double the amount of warehouse space, and, and certainly double the sales and double the dollars. It grew from 7 million year one to 16, to 32, to 64, to 120, to 250. And, uh, and we did all that, uh, Ross, in the first five years we sp without spending any money on marketing. Our marketing was FOMO, fear of missing out, and, 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 and people telling their friends a very much word of mouth about a great site that delivers great deals to Australian consumers. And the other thing also was that with the online world, the digital world, the barriers to entry to be able to sell things, once you had the confidence that people could transact, that the goods would arrive, that you could get your money, it really meant that the, uh, the, the barriers to entry dropped enormously. And that allowed entrepreneurs such as yourself to compete in ways they never might have been able to previously. And that goes on even today as we see the proportion of online sales increasing exponentially year on year. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, again, when we started, no one took online very seriously. But uh, I read the uh, weekend papers uh, religiously every week. And my favorite parts are stories about e-commerce. And let me tell you, Ross, the whole paper was e-commerce this weekend with stories about my deal listing and Adore Beauty and Kogan. And, 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 and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see that, uh, you know, the world has realized what we have realized and, and worked so hard, uh, you know, over the last decades. And it really feels like 2021 is going to be massive for e-commerce, but certainly for uh for digital disruption in so many other spaces, including education and fintech and uh, working from home, etc., etc. It's exciting times. And it's really interesting because even coronavirus uh, in this past year has taught people not only to have more confidence in uh, working from home, meeting from home, consuming from home, um, all of these things, are, are strangely, that a, a pandemic has actually given people more confidence, which simply opens up the horizons for new businesses into the future. Mm. And interestingly, Ross, I've been at home all day today and I have achieved so much, uh, definitely a lot more than I would have achieved working from an office. And guess what? I'm still wearing my, uh, my pyjama pants from last night. So very, very exciting times ahead of us. There's no doubt. One final one for you. I would just want to know the transition from being a very small business in a garage starting out in 2006 to then negotiating with West Farmers just 13 years later on um, for a deal worth more than $200 million. Um, that transition, that's a learning process itself because many entrepreneurs who do start out really don't have uh, knowledge or maybe skills to be able to go and deal with those sorts of numbers, with those sorts of uh, organisations. How did you teach yourself to do that? To be honest, Sir Ross, I still don't know how to do that and I did not. In the book, we discuss about one of the main reasons that we have been successful is basically surround yourself with smart people. And in that case, to answer your question, we've really surrounded ourselves with smart advisors. And that's the accountants, the bankers, the lawyers, etc. But uh, in the book, we talk uh, you know, quite a lot about the concept of intrapreneurs 
having people within your business that care about your business just as much as you do. And they come into work every single day, putting in 110%. And I'm so proud to say that this is our main reason for success. In the book, we describe it as it's all about the people. It's really all about the people that you hire, that you take to, to call it war. It's, it's, it's a war out there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so great that we've had so many great people along the years that, uh, you know, helped us achieve everything that we have achieved. Now, you also, as I say, are, are an investor in a whole range of startups. So one of those I, I didn't mention there was Luxury Escapes, which is mm. obviously a very big and very well-promoted uh, uh, luxury travel brand. But one thing about this is just explain that many entrepreneurs get into trouble when it comes to trying to work out how much equity they need to give away to staff, to, to new investors coming in, uh, to people with who are key providers. How did you work that out along the way? In terms of taking or purchasing, right? In, in terms of trying when you, when you had the business, particularly the catch business, I yes. know that you and your brother still own nearly 90% of that business when you sold out to West Farmers. Clearly, you held on to your equity. But in there, a lot of businesses these days, it seems as though the entrepreneurs cannot hold on to a significant amount of that equity themselves. Yeah, there's one thing that really worked in our favor over the years, Ross. We were always profitable. We were, we were profitable every single day, week, month, and year uh, since 2006. Uh, a lot of startups today, and certainly in, 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 in e-commerce, etc., need to spend uh, years to be able to get to a point of profitability. And in order to do that, they need to sell chunks uh, of the business. Call us uh, old-fashioned retailers. I'm not really sure how we did it, but we had to make sure that we go every single week to work. And we had to make enough money to pay the bills and pay the rent and uh, take some home in order to be able to put food on the table. And, uh, you know. I'm happy to say that we managed to do that. In the book, we uh, unashamedly say that we went to work in order to make a profit. And uh, there's nothing to be embarrassed about that. I'll tell you what, it is great to have, a, uh, to, to have a chat with you, to catch up as it were. And can I only encourage people listening to our podcast, and we've, we've got a few of them these days, Gabby, which is nice to say, um, to go out and get this book, Catch of the Decade, uh, because you will see in this the lessons uh, learnt from one of Australia's great entrepreneurs, almost a serial entrepreneur, I guess, not only the co-founder of Catch, Scoop On, Eat Now, investors in a whole lot of other businesses. And Gabby Leibovich, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much, Ross. It was great being here. So that's it for the Money Minutes for this episode. Thanks for taking the time to listen. You can, of course, give us your feedback via Twitter, via Facebook or LinkedIn. And, of course, via your podcast app on Apple, Google, Spotify and now Amazon as well. This has been a Talent Corp production. I'm Ross Greenwood and these are the Money Minutes. Now get to work, bitch. Now get to work.